following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Tomorrow, January 15th, would have been the 95th birthday of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And surrounding that day, this weekend, tomorrow, leaders and school children all around the country or at least we must say now those school children still allowed to learn about such things are likely to read or recite or reflect upon King's famous I Have a Dream speech. A speech delivered as part of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom on August 28, 1963. It is, of course, a soaring speech, an inspiring description of God's dream, a dream very much yet unfulfilled. But there are other words from King that come to the fore for me today. Words from the last book that he published in 1967, the year before he was murdered, martyred on April 4th, 1968. By 1967, the civil rights movement was shifting pretty significantly. Some legislative victories had been secured by that time, including the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which Unfortunately, mostly has been gutted now in recent years. But persisting poverty and expanding economic disparities presented a daunting challenge for the nation. The United States in 1967 was a nation at war, both abroad and absolutely within. We were deeply divided from one another, and fearful, hateful rhetoric was reaching a fever pitch. In that context, in that moment of very real and present danger, King knew that a choice had to be made. The title of his final book articulated that choice. Where do we go from here? Chaos or community? This is the great problem of humankind, he observed in his final book. We have inherited a large house, a great world house in which we have to live together. A family unduly separated in ideas, cultures, interests, who must learn somehow to live with each other in peace. Throughout much of the rest of that book, as he had elsewhere, King identified and addressed three intertwining challenges that we face still today in our attempts to live with each other in peace. They are the challenges of racism, one expression of our unwillingness to affirm the belovedness of every human being and materialism, that is, valuing possessions over people, inevitably leading to opportunity gaps among us, and militarism, that is, trusting violence as the means to our safety. Our only hope, King wrote, lies in our ability to go out into a sometimes hostile world, declaring eternal opposition to poverty, to racism, and to militarism. Now, last Sunday, you might recall, as we came again to the waters of our shared baptism, we recommitted to accepting the freedom and the power that God gives us to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms that they might present themselves. Our hope, then, lies in our willingness actually to do so. Through the waters of our baptism, to choose community over chaos, and not just once, but over and over again to choose this, honoring ourselves and each other as sacred human beings, as God's beloved children before and over anything else. 
Every nation, King continued, must now develop an overriding loyalty to humankind as a whole, a worldwide fellowship that lifts neighborly concern above one's tribe, race, class, and nation, and, we might add, political party or political personality. All these moments of division among us call for an all-embracing and unconditional love for all people. For love, love is the only way. Dear friends, let us love each other. We read in our scriptures, God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. This commandment we have from God, those who claim to love God ought to love their siblings too. Love your enemies, Jesus commanded us, not suggested, commanded us, and pray for those who harass and frighten you so that you will be acting as children of God. Just as God is complete in showing love to everyone, so also you must be complete. Love is the only way. Love is the only way. To my mind and for my life, that is the legacy of the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. And not the safe and respectable version of King that has been co-opted by nearly every American cause over the years, but the gospel version of King, the radical version of King, the version of King that resists and disrupts all of our systems of violence and hatred and fear. We have a choice. We still and always have a choice, even now, even now at the beginning of another contentious presidential election year, we have a choice. Even now, amid wars and persisting expressions of racism and misogyny throughout our society, we have a choice. Even now, with transphobia now being expressed through our state legislature, we still have a choice with a proliferation of anti-immigrant words and actions that dehumanize and devalue our siblings. We still have a choice, a choice in our words and our behaviors, a choice between hate and love, a choice between fear and love, a choice between violence and love, a choice between chaos and community. We must make that choice anew every day, in every conversation, in every encounter, whether we are listening to the news or connecting with our neighbors, we can and we must choose to address each other and those issues that divide us with love, with love instead of fear. But love is the only way. Love is the only way to cut through the noise and to get back to the heart of who and whose we are and who we are meant to be together. Through his very short life and his work and with his words, through his steadfast commitment to nonviolence and disruptive resistance, King lived toward a vision, toward God's dream of beloved community, a world, a world in which we live not only out of the courage born of trusting that we are beloved, but also out of the compassion born of the conviction that all others are beloved too. We are beloved community. On earth as it is in heaven, that is the dream. That is our prayer. That are the instructions of the one we choose to follow. We are not only beloved by God, we are called by God too. We are partners with God, with that dream of beloved community guiding all of our words and actions 
and choices. Today's story from 1 Samuel opens by telling us that the Lord's word was rare at that time and visions were not widely known. Undoubtedly, we have known times like that too, both personally and communally. Amid persisting injustices and prolonged violence and frankly perplexing unkindnesses, we long for a word from the Lord, for a spark of hope, a clear sense of which way to turn and how far to go. But in truth, God's word always is speaking. God's word of love, love telling us to listen and to learn and to live beloved community into being. Love is our way forward together. Love is a way of life, love as a decision to make a way of life for everyone. That's the word that Samuel heard and shared. It's the word King heard and shared, and that word, that word of love, quite frankly, is the reason that I seek to live as a follower of Jesus Christ. For I am convinced that self-giving love, self-sacrificial love, love that seeks the good, love that seeks the well-being of the other before the self, God-centered love, is the only thing that can ever guide us into the just and merciful world we need. Love breathed into us by God, love revealed among us in Jesus, love always nudging at us through the Holy Spirit. Love is the only thing that can lead us beyond our present chaos into beloved community. And so in the spirit of young Samuel, and in the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr., and in the spirit of countless other partners with God who have given their lives toward God's dream, my invitation for us this day is to listen. Whatever your station in life, whatever your age, whatever your perception of your own abilities or deficiencies, listen and know that God is calling you. Where you are and in your current relationships and in your opportunities for new relationships, God is calling you, God is calling you to be a minister of love, a midwife of beloved community. So like Samuel, prayerfully open yourself. Listen, in what specific ways is God calling you to love your neighbors more completely? Loving our neighbors isn't abstract. Neither is God's love for you and me. God's love always is specific and personal. And there's a big difference there, we know that, between loving folks generally and loving our neighbors specifically. Think, for example, about the ways that you have been loved. If you've had an intimate partner, whether a spouse or any other, it doesn't quite land in the same way if they were to tell you, you know, of course I love you, I love all people. No, we want to be loved personally, personally not just as a member of the human species, we need to be loved for who we are, our gifts, our flaws, our quirks, our interests. We need to be loved as we are. And we need to love others as they are too, which always begins in listening and learning, opening ourselves to others' lives. So who are your neighbors who are living near you or working near you, maybe worshiping near you right now? Who are your neighbors whom God is inviting you to get to know better, to listen to them, to learn about their lives, to listen for God's voice speaking through them? If it feels like God's word is rare, begin by listening to your neighbors. Deepen existing relationships, begin forming new ones, and through those relationships, through those relationships, listen for where God is leading us into advocacy 
and nonviolent resistance to evil, injustice, and oppression, to racism, materialism, militarism in our world still today. Listen for ways that we can speak and act so that others may perceive God's word through us. Often, of course, we'll find as we do so that we have barriers to dismantle as we seek to listen and to love our neighbors so completely. Barriers of busyness, barriers of apathy, barriers of prejudice. Thanks be to God for the example in today's gospel. Philip invites Nathanael to join him in following Jesus, but Nathanael initially is blocked from doing so by his long-worn bias, his prejudice. Can anything from Nazareth be good? Graciously, Philip invites Nathanael beyond that prejudice. Come and see. Come and experience. Stretch the edge of your comfort zone so that you can encounter and, and listen and learn. Get to know this person, this person, beyond what you've always heard about that sort of person. Choose love that's deeper, more personal and specific. Choose relationship instead of fear. That's the choice that remains before each of us today. Will we love across our differences? Will we love beyond our fears? Will we choose chaos or community? Where will we go from here? By grace, may we keep listening for God's still speaking voice, a voice not only calling us beloved, but calling us to be beloved community. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kent.org.